and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.co. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Life does come at us fast, and we're going to be talking about that today as part of a series. I want to welcome those who are watching online right now around the country and around the world. We are so glad that you made Crossroads a part of, uh, of your day, and welcome to the Crossroads family. I want to give just kind of a, a shout-out of uh, a praise for something that happened this, uh, this week that's kind of cool. Uh, our own uh, Sydney Clanton, uh, not only Cro- Concord's own, but Crossroads' own, uh, she won the, the, uh, the National LPGA Tournament this, uh, this last week. And so for one week, she was the greatest golfer in the world. Something I, I think is really cool, if you listen to her, uh, how they, they interviewed her, she gave glory to God immediately and straight out. And I love how God raises uh, people from our church uh, and, and athletes around the world and things to, to give glory to God and give the praise to the one who, uh, who gave them those abilities and gave them the, the strength to do that and things. So uh, we're just really proud of, uh, of her taking that stand. Uh, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've taken a look at some of the miracles of the Bible, and we're still in that series, and we've taken a look at how God heals us and how God protects us, how God delivers us, and we're really looking at one of those uh, miracles today. We're kind of a second part of the series that we started last week, and that's a miracle of, of protection. And one thing we know, we know God is a God of protection. All you have to do is read the Bible, and you see time after time after time where God protects his people, where God delivers his people from harm, whether it was uh, pr- protecting babies. Moses so he wasn't killed as a, as a baby or protecting the, uh, and delivering the people from, uh, from Egyptian captivity or when he delivered Daniel from the mouths of the lions or when he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace or when he delivered the, the apostles from the, from the horrible storm and I could go on and on and on and one thing we know, we know, we know that God is a God who delivers and protects Something else we know, even just to look at history and look at things. I love reading about biographies. I love hearing about stories where God has just delivered and protected his people. And I'm just going to share one of those that I thought was neat. I heard this as a child, and it hit me. And there was a man by the name of John G. Patton. And he was a, an early pioneer in missions in the, in the early, early 1900s. And, and he was uh, ministering, he and his wife, in the New Havernese Islands. When, when all of a sudden, one, one night, the, the natives got surrounded uh, their, their, their little camp, their little um, missions com- compound or their, their building, and, and they were there with torches and they were there with spears and they had the full intention of burning them out and then if they came out to, to end their life, to, to impale them with the, with the spears. And they saw what was happening and he and his wife got down on their knees and praised for God's protection, prayed for God's de- deliverance. And, and they looked out the window again and the men were weren't advancing. They weren't doing anything. They weren't advancing. And then they prayed some more, and all of a sudden they look out the window again, and there's nobody out there. So it wasn't until a couple years later that they, they asked uh, the, the chief who had now come to faith in Jesus Christ, why did you not go after us that night? What kept you from, uh, from, from uh, fulfilling what you meant to do? And he said, it was all those guys with you. I said, there wasn't any guys with us. There weren't any guys. It was just my wife. And I said, no, 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 there were guys with you. There were huge guys in shiny outfits with drawn swords all around, camped all around you. And we were afraid to, uh, to go after you. 
And he realized that day that God had stationed angels all around him and protected he and his wife that night. Uh, and, and I could, you know, we could tell thousands of stories like that. We could tell thousands of stories from just you, every person that's listening to me right now. You can probably tell a story or many, many stories about God protecting you, where you could have been hurt and you weren't hurt, where you could have been killed and you weren't killed, where somebody you love could have been hurt and they weren't hurt or killed. And you know, you know, you know that it was God protecting you. Uh, and there's verses in the Bible that I love about God's protection. And it says, here's just a few of them. And it says, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them and, find, and they find shelter in him. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, those waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging. Psalm 138, though I'm surrounded by troubles, can anybody relate to that? You will protect me from the anger of my, of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. Psalm 91, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the whole, high, most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come again near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't ever hurt uh, your foot against a stone. You'll trample upon the lions and the cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them forever. And you know, we know that's true. We know that God has done that. We've seen that in our, in our own life. We've read about that in the Bible. We've seen it in other people's lives. But here's the thing too. Don't miss next week because I'm gonna talk about the other side of that too. I'm going to talk about the times where we've prayed and we didn't see God, uh, God heal us or someone that we loved or we didn't see God deliver or protect because that's part of the story too and the, God, and the Bible's real, real about that uh, too. But I think this is going to bring a lot of hope, a lot of healing, a lot of help, a lot of answers to people next week. Understand that we're going to take a look at the flip side of that because we do believe in this. And that's why one thing that we do, we, it is important that we pray for protection. We, uh, we should pray for protection for our spouse. We should pray for protection for our marriage. We should pray for protection for our, for our children and protect their, that God protect their minds and God protect their hearts and God keeps them away from, from evil influences or making the wrong decisions. We should pray for our friends. We should pray for our leaders. We should pray for our church leaders. I mean, you think about this. If you, you read about stories in the, the Civil War and battles back then and everything, and they would always go after, after the officers, right? Because if you got the officers, everybody else would scatter. It would have a big impact on the whole, on the whole army. And, and Satan is going to go after the officers, so make sure you pray for, for them. And things. So it's important to pray that, uh, for that. But we're going to take a look now at just really the second part of something we took a look at last week. And last week we took a look at this guy by the name of, uh, of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat was an amazing, amazing godly king. He was one of the, the few kings in, uh, in Israel's history that, were, that truly worshiped God and led all his people into revival. And they said they, at that time before Je Jehoshaphat, they were worshiping false idols all the time and horrible, terrible things were, they were bowing down to. And Jehoshaphat said, not on my watch. We're going to worship the one true God. And even though despite that, that, despite that, all of a sudden one day all this trouble came against him. Really, life came at him fast. Life came at him from every different direction. He found out that not only one army was coming against him, but three armies were coming against him, each one stronger than he was. 
And you can imagine that. And then he finds out even worse news, and that's that they're at their doorstep. They're only a few miles away. They're already here. There's no way to prepare for weeks or months for this. They're already at the doorstep. And I love what he does. We took a look last week at some of the things. This is kind of a refresher of what he did because it's, it's a testimony of what we need to do when life comes at us fast, when we have struggles in our life. The first thing he did is he inquired of God immediately. The first person he went to, the first one he went to is God. We said this so many times, we, the first thing we go to is we go in the panic room. And then we go into the, we got to figure this out room, right? Don't we spend too much time there? But he spent the first time, he goes, God, we're coming to you first. And then he, he prayed. And here's the beautiful thing, and don't ever forget this, is when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. And I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have God working than me working on things because I can only have so much resources and abilities and wisdom and power and everything. He's got an unlimited supply of all that. And then he, what he did is he remembered God's faithfulness in the past. He remembered all the things and recounted, God, you've been faithful here and here and here and here. And it does something to our faith when we do that. And, it, and something that, that David did right before he, he faced Goliath, Saul, King Saul said, you can't go against that guy, man. He's too much big. He's bigger than you. He's a trained warrior. You're a little kid. And, 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 and I love what David said. He said this. He said, the same God that rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear is the God that's going to rescue me from this big behemoth as, as well. His track record with God in the past gave him courage for the, the, what he was about to face. He also just declared the goodness of God, the glory of God, how strong God was. And I'm telling you, when we focus on God, he gets bigger and bigger as our problem gets smaller and smaller. He also uh, just proclaimed the promises of God. He remembered the promises for his own sake. He showed them to, to God. And then he just prayed and he said, God, we don't have any strength in this matter. We're dead. If you don't show up, we are gone. We're looking to you at this time. And that's the second part, and that's where we start today. And it says this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel. He was, he's about to prophesy. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. I love this. Watch how he starts out. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is yours, is not yours, sorry, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. They will be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and they will, you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your possessions, stand firm, and you see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, here it is again. Do not be afraid and don't be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow because the Lord will be with you. How about that for an answer prayer right there? And look at what he said. He gives at the start and at the finish, he says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Both ways. In the middle there, he puts a promise. And I, and I love that because, you know, again, why did he tell us not to be afraid? Why did he tell them? Because that's where we go, right? That's the first place we go. We automatically go to fear when we hear bad news. We automatically go to fear when all of a sudden, when all hell comes against us, right? We automatically go there, and he says, we don't have to do that. And the word discouraged, too. He said, don't be discouraged. And that's a powerful word, isn't it? Because each one of us, we know what it feels like to be discouraged, don't we? Is there a more powerful thing that Satan has in his arsenal than discouragement? Because you think about this. I mean, how many times that you've been going fine and everything, and all of a sudden, discouragement. And let me ask you this question. How many of you ever had the wind knocked out of you? I mean, truly knocked out of you, where you didn't think you'd ever breathe again? Isn't that a horrible feeling? But we've had that in life happen as well, too, haven't we? We've had discouragement, all of a sudden, bam, and it hits us, and we're going, I may never breathe again. 
I may never come up out of this. This is absolutely, and Satan will sit there. I've seen so many men and women of God put on the sidelines or put out or whatever because they've been discouraged, because discouragement comes in, and it's one of his biggest weapons. And God starts out and he says, and I want you to hear this. First, think about an area where you're discouraged right now. Maybe an area where it's coming in and Satan's trying to do everything he can to discourage you. Where's a fear? What's a fear? What's a worry? What's an anxiety that is coming against you right now? Because understand this, the same God that is telling them, don't be discouraged and don't be afraid, is the same God that right now today is telling you, don't be discouraged and don't be afraid. God knows what's coming against you and somehow he still says, you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to be discouraged. In fact, he commands us not to do that. And God never commands us to do something that he's not going to give us the strength or the power to do. So we have that uh, opportunity to do. The second thing, so here it is, the reasons we don't have to be discouraged or dismayed. He gives the reasons right here. The first one is this, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is the Lord's. Let me ask you the question, whose battle is it? Let me say, ask again, whose battle is it? And I want, you to think, I want you to think about that. Now I want you to picture that, that battle that you're going against right now. I want you to picture the enemy, whatever, and I don't mean a real human being, but whatever that thing is, the, the fear, the discouragement, the worry, the, whatever's coming against you right now. And I want you now, when you hear those words one more time come out of your mouth, I want it to hit your heart. Those words are coming out of your mouth, and I want you to remember whose battle is it? Can you imagine if we really live that life? If we really truly believe that every battle we ever face, it's gonna be the Lord's battle. That doesn't mean we go, don't go out and fight. That doesn't mean we go, don't get our sword. That doesn't mean we go out you know, into, the, into the array. But here's the thing. We need to remember that if, if Jesus Christ is truly in the throne of your life, he, if he truly is the Lord, then that means ultimately every problem you have is, is his problem, not yours. If you're on the throne, then it's your problem. And that means that if he's truly on the throne, that every battle that, he, that, that you fight it's ultimately his battle. And remember, he's never, ever lost a battle, and he never, ever will. And so here's, this is some awesome news. That means this. I just thought of some of these things here. Is you may not have the necessary resources. That's okay, because God does. You may be worried about the future, your future, and what's going to take place in your, in your, your life. That's okay, because God's not afraid. You may be, uh, not have what it takes to forgive that person that really hurts you. That's okay. God does have the ability, and he's going to give it to you. God, you may not have the uh, ability to control your tongue or your, your temper or your lust or whatever it is. That's okay because God does. And you may not have what it takes in life. You may be facing a situation. You don't have what it takes. That's okay because God does. And God says we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. The second reason not only to, is not only every battle belongs to God, the battle is the Lord's, but the other thing is God will be with you. He said, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Go out to, to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. I want you to think about that. No matter what you face tomorrow, the Lord's gonna be with you. No matter what you face the next day, the Lord's gonna be with you. Can you imagine the difference that would make if we really went into life every day, woke up our day, knowing whatever we face that day, God's going to be with us. That you, when you go into that big meeting, God's going to be with you. When you go to the school that you haven't been to before and you're scared, God's going to be with you. When you go into the new job, when you go into whatever you're facing with your kids, when you go into that tough, that tough discussion, whatever it is, God's going to be with you. Can you imagine the difference that would make? 
And he also says this. He, he was honest. says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And for that reason, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't be afraid. What can a person do to me? And I looked up that word for forsake in the original language. And that's one thing about Greek, man. It is so powerful. It means there's, there, it's, it explodes with new, new meaning. And the word there, forsake, it literally means to leave you in the same situation that you were before. And I thought about this. One time when I was in, when I was in middle school, I, was, uh, I grew up in Colorado, uh, I, and I remember one night that a bunch of kids, some guys and girls, uh, some friends of my brothers, they came over, and they were going to kidnap my brother to take him to a party, a good party, and just uh, a lot of fun and things. So they grabbed him, and, and then they turned around and asked my parents, hey, can we take Lowell too? And I was like, man, this is big time. Man, I was in middle school, and I'm going to a party, a cool party with the, you know, with the, the, the high school kids and everything. Man, this was great. I had a blast. They treated me so nice. And then they took me home. And Mom and Dad even let me have my you know, curfew like several hours after my curfew. And I'm getting home right around midnight. I still remember, okay, it is two below zero that night. So put, keep that in your mind. So I get there, and, and I, uh, I'd forgotten my keys. So I knock on the door. Nothing. I ring the doorbell. Nothing. I go and knock and pound on my parents' window. I'm cold and nothing. So I figure, what else can I do? I don't know what else I do. Remember, that this was before cell phones, right? In fact, we just had smoke signals in those days, I think, is all we had. And so, you know, there's no way to reach. So I thought I was a paper boy. So I curled up in my paper bag, and I curled there, and I just thought, I'm going to go to sleep until my brother comes. And my brother should be coming pretty soon. And so I fell asleep, and I woke up. It was probably about 2 o'clock in the morning. And, man, now I'm way beyond cold. I'm, 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 I'm a trouble cold, okay? So I wake up, and, man, I pound on the door again, and now there's tears running down my, you know, I'm everything. And, and my parents, wait, hey, where have you been? I was like, oh, it was front porch. And I found, or back porch, and I found out. Out later on the next day from my brother he saw me there and he walked right past me <laughs> and he thought I was just spending the night outside in my paper bags in two below zero see and my my brother forsook me is what he did and I want you to know that God will never never leave you in the same place he saw you he's never going to leave you out in the cold amen and something else that he says, too, is that he said, the battle is, is uh, mine tomorrow, not yours. And there's times where God gives us a strategy for the battle. There's times he goes, all right, here's what I want you to do. You need to say this to this. You need to do this. You need this. He gives us strategies. But there are times in life, thank God, there's times in life that he just says, you don't just sit here. I'm going to fight for you. You don't even have to show up. I'm going to fight for you. You just show up and watch is what I'm, and I love the fact that God does that before we have an opportunity to blow it. Have you ever had God just show up and he answers the problem before you even know, and you're all in there ready to fight and everything. He's already got it. I don't know why I thought of this story. There's a, this is a true story. A lady, an elderly lady in California a few years ago, she comes out, she has a handful of groceries, and she sees four guys getting into her car. And so she, she, uh, she screams as loud as she can. She gets her purse out, and she has a gun, and she, and she puts that out, and she points it at the, at the guys. She yells, I know how to use this, and I'm not afraid to do it. And the boys, man, they, I mean, they took off. They took off, and she's, she's trembling. She's so scared, and she puts the groceries in the back seat of the car, and, and she thinks, okay, I'm going to go to the police station. I'm going to tell the police what happened here. And she gets in the car, and there's one problem. Her key didn't fit in the ignition. And you're one step ahead of me, aren't you? She looked around, and that wasn't her car. 
So she finds her car about four, about four how, I mean, four little rows down, and she gets in there and she goes, "Okay, I got to go to the police and tell them what I about did." And she goes up to the sergeant and she tells the sergeant, the sergeant cracks up and says, "You see those four guys right down here?" Said they came complaining about some deranged elderly woman stole their car. And she apologized, and there were no, no file, you know, nothing, nothing filed there. But, but sometimes we just go off half-cocked, and we, we forget, and God sometimes shows up before we ever have to fight the, the battle. And here's the thing, too. Needless to say, Jehoshaphat and the people, when God said this, they were excited. And they said, and Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohanites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud voice. And I want you to know, their situation hasn't changed, right? I mean, there's still, there's still an army, but all God said to them was, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to see you through this. And they start praising God. And I love, I love that, that they're willing to, to do that. And I think sometimes praise activates the promise. And I really feel like God said that this morning to me is, is something, you know where you, you may have a seed, but you gotta put that seed in the soil and, and that's what activates it. And I really believe that sometimes a, a, a promise of God is activated by our praise. When we start praising God for a promise that has not happened yet, something happens in the heavenlies and, uh, and things take place. Look at verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Have you know, do you notice this strategy? Do you are reminded of something? This is exactly the strategy that Joshua had at Jericho. I'm going to put the praise band, the praise choir, in the front of the army. And it's not because he didn't like the praise band, right? I mean, it's saying he knows that the power of this is going to be taking place in the praise. Now, can you imagine being a person in the, you know, in the choir, and all of a sudden you, you find out your mission is to go out in front of the army? What weapon am I going to have? A song? I mean, that's it. Your only song, your only weapon is praise the Lord, his mercy endures forever and ever. But armed with that, watch what God, watch what God does. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set up ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. That's the three armies that came against them who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose against the men from Mount Seir and destroyed and annihilated them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Mount Seir, they helped us destroy one another. When the men of Judah, now remember, they, haven't, they have not done one swing with a sword. God took care of everything before they ever showed up. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying in the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder. And they found among them, uh, them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could even take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. I love this. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is uh, Ephesians 3.20 that, that says this, that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Here's a perfect example of that. Think about this. All they wanted that day, the, their biggest dream that day was to survive. 
They simply wanted to live another day, to be alive at the end of the day. That would have been absolute cake for them. But you know, instead, God doesn't just let them survive. He gives them a victory. They win the battle, and they, they don't even show up for. And not only do they win the battle, but how cool is this? They plunder the enemy so much that it takes them three days. I, I, in their wildest imagination, they could have never thought, you know what, not only are we going to be stolen or destroyed, the enemy's going to be destroyed, and we're going to plunder from them. In their wildest imagination, but that's the God that we, that we serve. And hasn't God, you know, and listen to the verse in, uh, in Romans. He says this. I love this verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, anybody relate to that? Hardship, anybody relate to that? Persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all the day long. We're considered to sheep to the slaughter. Listen to this, and this is you. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I mean, there's days, more than conquerors. There are days that just survival or seasons of life that you're going, that you're just not thinking you're going to make to the other side. And God says, not only are you going to be victorious, you're going to be more than a conqueror. And I'm thinking, what in the world is more than a conqueror? How do you do that? It's saying where God gives you more than, what, than even just the, the victory. And I was thinking, what examples of that? And there's people in here that you're, you're, you're in this room even now. You're hearing my voice. And you absolutely thought your marriage was over. You thought there was no way that, that, that it could ever be restored. And now not only is you, you, you look back, and not only is your marriage restored, it's stronger than it ever was. And there's some people in here that now you have a ministry with people who are struggling, whose marriage are struggling, because not only that, you've plundered the enemy in that way. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Chuck Price gave his testimony about he was, he was being destroyed by, by alcohol. He was being absolutely destroyed by that. And he did not think he was going to make it to the other side. And not only did he survive, but God made him victorious over that. And he is 14 years sober. But not only that, now he has a ministry with alcoholics. And he has brought so many people to church. He's brought so many people. So many people have come to faith in Jesus Christ because that man took a van and brought people from, from, from uh, places like that in here. And people have, have been encouraged and restored because of that man. He has plundered the enemy. And there's people in here right now that you know what it feels like when you don't think you're going to make it through that time. And, and, and God, not only you see this mountain and you're going, there's no way I'm getting on the, over the, this mountain. And God not only got you over the mountain, but you're stronger than you were before you went over that mountain. That it was like spiritual puberty to you. You, you went in as a, as a boy and you came out as a spiritual man. You went in as a, as a spiritual girl and you came out as a spiritual woman. That God used the very thing that Satan was going to try to destroy you, to knock you out. And God used that same thing to make you the man or woman of God that you are to, today. That's how God can plunder the Egyptian, plunder those things in our life. Now watch this. Here's the, for those keeping score at home, this is, this is what's the progression. Go ahead and throw that up there. The first thing they had was a problem. It was bigger, way too big for them. What, they, what did they do? They went to the Lord in prayer. What happened after that? God gave them a promise that he was going to see them through. What happened that? They praised God before there was ever the, before it ever happened, and God gave them a, a victory there. And then what happens after that is they plundered the enemy. What did they do after that? Watch this. I love this. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka. From there, they praised the Lord. Again, this is why it is called the Valley of Barak to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. The fear of the Lord came upon all the kingdoms of the countries where they had heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. 
and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for the Lord had given them rest on every side. Now that they've been delivered, what do they do? They praise God. They, take, they come back. They praise him before the event. They praise him after the event. They praise him before he was, they were ever delivered. They praise him after they were ever delivered. And here's the thing that I, I love in that too. Isn't that a testimony to us as well? You know what Noah did after God saved Noah and his, and his family? The very first thing he did is he built an altar and he thanked God. You know what, there were 10 lepers one time that were all healed of, of, of leprosy and, and, and only one came back to thank God. I pray that we are the ones who come back and thank him. But it's easy to praise God when everything goes our way, right? It's easy to praise God when God gives us the victory and God does the protection and everything. It's harder to do that before it happens or maybe it's even harder to, when that happens when God says no to something. And I want you to picture as parents, and maybe you're not parents yet, but maybe you can just still relate to this. But imagine if, you know, it's easy. If you said to your kids, man, we were gonna go to, to we took, took them to Disneyland and they come back. First of all, just even saying thank you for that. Mom, dad, thanks for doing that. I really appreciate that. Man, that makes your heart do something, right? But how about if they'd said, then, then you told them to no to something they, they wanted to do. And you said no, and they're heartbroken about it. But imagine if they came up to you and said this. Mom, Dad, here's the thing that I know. First, I want to thank you for you being the parents that you are. Thank you. Uh, if you did nothing else for me from this moment on, you've given, you've, you've protected me, you've supplied my needs, you've, you've done all these things, you've tried your best in this, and I just want to say thank you. If you never do another thing, thank you. But here's something I want you to know, too, that, that even though I'm heartbroken, here's what I know about you. I know, I know you did that because you love, love me. I know that you're doing that and you're trying to make the best decision and I, I know you're doing that. So, so even though it hurts me, I thank you because I know your heart in this. What would that do to you? I mean, what would that do to your heart? What would, that, what would that make you know about your child? What would that say about their maturity level? What would that say about their, about their faith in you? What would that say about their trust in, in, in who you are and your, their, your heart towards, towards them? Maybe it's the same way when God, when God maybe in some ways we're disappointed, we're discouraged. And we're going, can you imagine if we just said, God, here's what I know, I'm hurt. But one thing I know, I know you're good. And I know you love me. And I know you're making who you don't ever make a dis wrong decision. And you do this because you love and you care about me. And if we come to God with that, what does that say about our maturity level as a Christian? What does that say about our trust in God? What does that say in our belief in who he is and what he can do in our, in our life? And I pray that we have the praise before the plunder ever happens and, and even after. But here's, I want to just say the, uh, the words of a song. This is a song from several, a couple of decades ago, but it was a song called Praise the Lord. Maybe just close our eyes for a moment. I want you to hear the words of the song. It says this, when you're up against a struggle that shatters all your dreams, and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes. And you feel the urge to, within you to submit to earthly fear. Don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear. Praise the Lord. He will work through those who pray. Praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Now, Satan is a liar, and he wants to make you think that you're a pauper when he knows himself we're children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith for the battle. It must be what? 
We know that Jesus Christ is risen and the work's already done. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. God, I thank you, God, that you're a God who delivers us. We thank you, God. We take a moment right now and thank you for all the times you have protected us, all the times you've delivered us, all the times you've gotten us to another side of a mountain that we never even thought we could take the first steps up. Thank you, God, for your protection, for our loved ones. Thank you, God, for what you've done. And Lord God, I pray for every single person who is struggling with they're facing a giant, they're facing an army. Thank you, God, that you will never leave us or forsake us. You will never leave us. Not only you'll be with us, but you will never leave us as you found us. And thank you, Lord God, that the battle is yours and not ours. No matter what we're facing, a financial battle, a health battle, a relationship battle, no matter what it is, we thank God that it's your battle. And so God, help us to know when we are to take a stand and help us know when we're supposed to swing the sword. But Lord God, we give glory to you and we thank you ahead of time. And we praise you for being a God who fulfills your promise and a God who protects us. And all God's people said, amen. If we could stand and sing and the altar team's gonna be down here. If you're going through something or you have a loved one that's going through something, don't go through it alone. That's what church is about. There's people here that want to, to, to lift you up in prayer. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcasts, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.